Hey there traders, looking to take the guesswork out of trading and only 10 minutes a day? Then you need to head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com right now, where you can get our five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading in only 10 minutes per day. And the only place to get that is at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com. Hey there, traders. Welcome back to today's How to Trade Stocks Options podcast. Today, we have a special guest online, Mark Gariski. And I got to say, this has been a long time coming. Mark is the CEO and co-founder of Kievnos, which, as we'll talk about more, has a lot to do with FinClub, which you have heard many times on the podcast. So, Mark, I am very excited to have you on today. This is the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast brought to you by 10MinuteStockTrader.com where we give you the tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And here's your host, voted one of the top 100 people in finance by Redwood Media Group, founder and head trader of 10MinuteStockTrader.com, Christopher Ewell. The How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast is produced in partnership with my friends at FinClub.ai. I use the artificial intelligence data from FinClub as my primary indicator. I don't even take a trade if FinClub doesn't show me that I have a greater edge than any other traders in the market. You've heard the stats, 90% of traders fail, which is why you need to find an edge, and FinClub has that edge for you for just a few dollars a day. The returns produced by FinClub have been shown to be more than double that of the market, with win rates as high as 90%. I mean, they basically make it so easy, they're gonna show you exactly what stock is going to exactly what price. Basically, they're handing everything you need to you on a silver platter. Listen, they are so confident that this will change the way you trade. FinClub.ai is going to give you two full weeks to test drive their service and they'll even give you all their historical results so you can see exactly how it works and how it can dramatically change the way you trade. And that's exactly what I've done. So head on over to FinClub.ai to start your free two-week trial and I'll even throw in some extra bonuses after you sign up. Now the only place you can get your discounts and free bonuses is at FinClub.ai. That's FinClub.ai. Oh, Chris, it's it's really great to be here, and you're absolutely right. We are we are long overdue on this, so looking forward to it. Yeah. So so Mark reached out to me, and and I'll give some some background of this. Mark reached out to me last year, and was like, "Hey, we have this AI trading platform. Are you interested in this?" And I and of course, like everybody does, you're like, "Yeah, okay, sure." And the more I've learned about it, the more excited I've got about it, and the more I've promoted it, and that's why you hear me talk about it two or three times a week on the podcast and certainly on my social media as well. And I am I am truly excited because Mark and I are going to be doing this on a decently frequent basis. And it's not at any means to try and be a, a sales pitch for FinClub, which of course we want you to go and check out FinClub and get your two week free trial. But in the meantime, there is so much going on that we're just going to have a chat. We're going to talk about it and we're going to show you how what's going on in the economy relates to what's going on in FinClub and what could be going on inside your portfolio if you were to use some of these these indicators and, and everything that we've got going on. So, Mark, I'm really excited to have you on today. Uh, it certainly has been been too long. In fact, when I when I turned on the Skype earlier and I saw Mark there, I was like, Mark, this is literally the first time I've ever seen you. <laughs> so it's been too long. So, Mark, Chris, give us some background about uh, who you are, where you came from, and, and Kievanos and how that relates to FinClub. Sure. Well, my personal background is primarily in mathematics. Uh, have been deploying that in the government sector for most of my early career. Uh, it was time for a change. I have some young boys. They were growing up, and I was spending a lot of time overseas, so it was time to come home. Uh, this seemed like a very 
very apt field to to deploy where I was getting a lot of experience and finding some very unique uh, methods of, of solving problems statistically, mathematically, and, and looking at disparate data sets and bringing it together. So Kievanos formed uh, about two and a half years ago, officially. Unofficially, it's been running since early 2015. Okay, so what does Kievanos do? Kievanos specializes in leveraging AI for predictive analytics. And even more specifically, we, we focus in on the financial markets and even more specifically the equity markets. And that is how Kievanos would be at like a higher level. And then FinClub would be like the customer retail trader portal to the data, right? That's essentially correct. Okay. Yes. We're a data provider to FinClub. Right. And then the display that is taking place inside the FinClub portal is, is, a, is a visualization of that data. Gotcha. Yeah. And so I'm really excited about it. And I, I, I have Mark's permission to, to share on days when... Uh, Actually, it's really funny. The original agreement was when all the picks fail, which we're going to get more into in a minute, uh, totally open to to share that so people can get like an inside sneak peek of what's going on, right? Uh, but with since late February, most of March, it's been almost a daily basis that every pick has failed. But that's actually a good thing. And I've tried to convey that to people, and I don't know if they necessarily are understanding that no trade and being in cash is way better than being in the wrong trade, right? Yeah, definitely feedback from FinClub has been kind of a mixed bag on that point. Um, when people log in, they expect to see stock picks. When you have economic conditions like we've been seeing, you probably shouldn't be buying those stocks. And then they're wondering why they're not seeing anything. So it's, it's a bit of that, you know, is this a feature or a bug kind of scenario? We definitely look at it as a feature because those are not positions you would want to have been in. And hindsight is 2020 and kind of solidifies that. Right. And one of the, the things that I use a lot of in this is the uh, the macro indicators. And, and the macro indicators are really cool because they, they don't just tell you the stock and the uh, price that they're targeting for that day. But it gives you an idea of the overall macro picture as well as the uh the, the industries, uh, the different sectors. And so I use that a lot. I, use, I trade a lot with ETFs and, and I've shared with, with Mark a lot of successes that I've had. Um, I mean, if, if their, their macro indicator for the industrials is going up, then I'm just going to follow along with the industrials on the, the ETF side, not even having to pick certain stocks, but uh, just trading like XLI, XLP, um, IYR for real estate, you know, any any sector out there has an associated ETF that goes along with it. And whenever you've got the the bullish or bearish or neutral momentum showing there on the FinClub screen, it makes it really easy, right? I mean, for me, at least, that's, that's the number one way that I trade it. And uh, I have found that, uh, so the, the FinClub picks are good up to five days. And uh, I remember there was one time I was trading Kellogg. And Kellogg, let's say, for example, the the opening price was 99 fin clubs target was 100 and i bought it and i'm like okay i'm just gonna hold it and see what happens um you know day two it didn't hit 100 day three it didn't hit 100 day five almost near the market close it went to 100 and greater and i was like well there it is i guess that five day rule really does apply to this and then i sold out and took my profits and i and that that's been one of my successes with fin club but that one in particular took five days and i was 
I actually felt really good about it having seen that firsthand. So behind the curtain, we're actually running many, many different models looking at all sorts of just disparate data sets, your, your metadata, your pure fundamentals, your uh, more traditional technical um, kind of stuff. Not, not so much the this candle over that candle sort of thing, um, but data that is, is derivative of price action, volume, Temporal data, you know, your your run of the mill stuff. Um, what is displayed on FinClub is, in a visualization sense, an amalgamation of many many different models saying many different things at different times. And what we found is that there are certain conditions that are highly important at certain times, and others not so much. Um, to prevent some, some, uh, how should I say this? To have some control over intellectual property security and really just not showing too much under the skirt, uh, the timelines on different equities that are shown, we have some more clarity on, but we have to take a more generalized approach inside the FinClub portal. Yeah. And you know what? That, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it is just certainly a black box is the way you described it. Um, and it, it, it does, I was going to say, it does give some some hesitation to people, right? Because then you, you talk about how um, over certain periods of time, uh, the FinClub results have shown like 90% win rates. And that's absolutely validatable by anybody who doesn't believe that, right? You can go get uh, a free trial at FinClub and go to the historical results section, you can see day by day what picks went to what price and what the accuracy was. Uh, so that, you know, if you're hesitant above it or about it because you're not really convinced that it could work, you can just go in there and see for yourself. And that's what I, I like about it. And I like to, to share that with other people. Sure. And, and I understand the hesitation behind that. And anytime you tell someone, hey, it's a black box, you have no idea how the numbers are being generated, you just get to see numbers at the end of it, there, there is a natural uh, uh, reservation that comes with that. And that mm -hmm. makes perfect sense. Uh, we do lean pretty heavily on the success rate from that and say, well, yes, it's a black box, but here's the result of that black box, as opposed to throwing darts at a wall and trying to pick stocks that way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, we were talking beforehand about some of the, the macroeconomic factors and, and for the fact that we really haven't seen a lot of stocks in the last month because of those macroeconomic factors, right? And actually, um, FinClub and in my own trading, I, I had got out of the market around um, February 27th. And that's when like no picks were showing up. And I was sending that to uh, members of the inner circle. And I was sharing that on Twitter, like, hey, listen, there's no picks coming. You know, that that's a sign that you guys need to be paying attention to. And then here we are 35 percentage points later. Right. The everything has dropped. And then it's funny earlier this week, everything's up like 20 percent. So we're on like, is this a bull market or a bear market? Right. Which which direction is it going to step to to be? which direction it's going to be from now on. And I think that's, it's almost funny to see this ridiculous, huge 20% bump bounce from the 35% the drop off. But it's, it's pretty crazy out there right now. It's absolutely crazy. Um, but I, I wouldn't say it was necessarily unexpected. Uh, it, it was definitely 
an enormous magnitude, right? The the shock of the magnitude, I think, um, overweighs the expectation of were we actually going to see a bounce? Mm -hmm. Was it a dead cat bounce, or are we seeing the beginning of, uh, you know, what, what do they call it, the uh, suckers rally? Mm -hmm. But but before we get there, you know, there's there's a lot of things to just break apart into how we really got there. Um, one of the first things that we were seeing was uh, around mid-February, I think it was around February 17th, 18th, um, some weakness start to emerge, particularly in the energy sector. And with everything that's been going on with coronavirus, people seem to be forgetting that OPEC essentially declared a war on the rest of the world, and that has been quietly swept under the rug. Yeah, the timing on that was crazy. It was a major, major catalyst for all of this, and that's not to downplay the significance of you know, the, the just-in-time supply chain disruption and, and everything that's come along with that, and obviously the the impact on the health side um, to to real people living real lives like that's a that's a threat to people. And I'm not a doctor. I I you know I know there's competing schools of thought on on what the severity looks like, uh, but I can tell you that you know I look out my window and I don't see people jogging like I normally do. You know, I'm actually have not left the house in several days because of all this. Apologize for not being more presentable and having <laughs> No, it's uh I, I totally get that. We we are we're in full uh, quarantine lockdown mode here and this is our second full week of it. And uh it's uh it, it's been a real challenge. So the, the biggest challenge has been dealing with my kids. Right. I can stay in my house all day long. I got a nice house. I got plenty of room, lots to do. I got the Internet. And thankfully, none of the none of the systems have gone down. Right. We still have Internet, water, gas, all that. But man, getting these kids just to do what they're supposed to do. Right. Oh, um, I'm, hassle. Um, I'm so right there with you. I, right before we started this, I just got done bribing them. Like, hey, yes. give, give me an hour. Give yep. me an hour of not bickering or barging in, crying about something or. Yeah. Yeah. I'm completely understand where you're coming from. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, my my parents don't live too far away, and they're like, oh, you want us to come and take the boys? And I was like, yes. Every day from 8 to 5, you come to my house, get my kids, take them away from me. That's what I need right now. <laughs> they're going to watch this in years and be like, what an asshole that guy is. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so so this, uh, this quarantine has been quite a challenge uh, for, for not just you know, sake of dealing with your own kids, which is kind of hard to talk about. But the the fact that a lot of people are losing a lot of money, not just in their stock investments, right, but like in their their income. And, you know, that's that's the scariest part of all. One of the things that I was kind of hanging my hat on pretty early in all of this is that even if the health risks are as extreme as, as some people say that they are, um, the economic risk is the real threat. And that sounds like a very callous thing to say, especially to people who are living this right now, who are very like your first responders, your people on the ground, the people who have had close family members impacted. I totally get all of that. And I don't want to discount it at all. But in the grander scheme, an economic, I, I really don't want to use the word collapse. Uh, drawdown can cost a lot more in terms of lives, livelihoods, you name it. Um, increased crime rates, increased poverty rates, uh, lowering 
quality of education, lowering quality of, of healthcare, availability thereof. The list goes on and on and on. And there's all of these you know, unintended consequences for this that are not really being necessarily paid attention to. And I understand to some degree why. It's that here's the threat that is right in front of us now. And we'll deal with the hypothetical threat afterwards. But we're making that hypothetical threat worse and worse and worse as we go. Mm-hmm. And as, as I'm looking at this unfold, I think our, our first uh, real warning sign was the Fed dropping rates to zero percent and the market shrugging it off like it didn't even happen. Yeah. You know, what was it? It's like they dropped to, to zero and we're near zero. And all of a sudden we lost 2000, 3000 points on the, on the Dow, which I don't really like the Dow as an indicator, but everyone understands it. So mm-hmm. you know, that's a pretty obvious one. Uh, I think that was the first real sign, the real writing on the wall that we may not actually be looking at a recession, but a depression. And I don't want to sound alarmist in saying that uh, because really what we're talking about are just different mechanics and different ways of handling the situation, uh, particularly if you're from the Keynesian economic school of thought, which I'm not. I'm, I'm far more Austrian. Uh, but that's kind of like being a libertarian and not really having a libertarian option. So you just hold your nose and default to the closest thing. Mm-hmm. In this case, that actually could be, you know, Keynesian cyclical uh, uh, economic engineering because the alternative to that is MMT. And that's, I don't think any of us really want to go there. No, without a doubt. And then, you know, this this all happens on the back or preceding an election, which, you know, could be whatever timely that is. But uh, I do think that, and not to, to cross any political lines or whatever, but I think that this is going to be a major hurdle for both candidates to, to try and navigate, right? And, and both of them are going to say, I'm going to do better than the other. Uh, but... In all reality, who knows where where that's going to go? Um, I'm kind of thinking uh, maybe a little differently, and that once the once the worst of this is over, we have so much pent up demand that we have like a nine percent GDP or something something outrageous, something like China would say is their actual GDP. I would say that's not outside the realm of possibility. You know, we could see that V-shaped recovery, uh, but there is a probability also that we don't, that, you know, we, we saw going into this, that simultaneous supply and demand shock. Mm-hmm. We've never seen this before. Well, coming out of that, sure, we may still have a demand side that recovers very quickly, but the supply side, you know, you're still talking about being able to stand up that just-in-time supply chain. I'm not convinced that we can believe the recovery numbers that we're seeing coming out of China. There are other places in the world that I think could be competitors to China in terms of providing that just-in-time supply chain. I think India is a top competitor and others in the region who have the means and the infrastructure, uh, maybe not immediately available, but they're not far from it. Um, So there's maybe a a way to discount some of that threat, Um, but it's not a guarantee, I think, is, is the bigger picture. And in the meantime, just as you pointed out, not only are people seeing their, their retirements and 401ks and pensions and this, that, and another take a beating right now, but they are also, by and large, losing on income. 
and they still have liabilities. And mm-hmm. I know there's ideas that have been floated of, well, what can we do to maybe put a moratorium on those liabilities, which would be great um, to a lot of people. But as far as I'm aware, that's not actually on the table yet or hasn't hasn't become a reality. Absolutely. So we'll see. You could be right. You could be right. But I'm, I'm still thinking that you know, when I see the interest rates go to zero, when I see the Fed say, hey, we're going to pump out four trillion dollars. Oh, by the way, we're doing four trillion right now. Maybe it's a quadrillion. No one knows. Right. It's, they came out and said, we're not going to run out of ammo. Yeah. And they said that very sternly. You know, Powell, Powell was not mincing words when he said we're going to pump money into the economy. Well, right now we're sitting at the best estimates that I've come across thus far, about a 30 to 1 ratio of your, your credit and debt versus your actual money in circulation right now. So you know, 30 to 1. Everything that is circulating is backed on the full faith and credit of someone somewhere, mm-hmm. right? Well, as we increase that money supply, if we're smart and we have a smart deleveraging and we're coming down on the outstanding debt and liabilities, we can maintain credit worthiness. And to most enterprises, yes, this is a major hiccup, but we can recover very smoothly and we can actually conduct good, efficient, healthy businesses inside and throughout a depression on a deleveraging cycle and come out of that with what could be a very, very healthy market. Mm -hmm. But that would also require having good actors throughout and no bad behaviors from, oh, well, here's a bunch of free money. We already have the debt. We already have the credit. It's leveraged to the hilt, 30 to 1 or worse. And now we have free money. If we just take that and we do nothing to address the things that are causing the health issues in the economy, particularly on the debt side, then that credit worthiness scale, I'm mentally referencing the the Ray Dalio cartoon because he Mm -hmm. does a phenomenal job of explaining this. It just gets worse and worse and worse. And all we do is kick the can down the road yet again. And, and who knows what happens the next time we come through this. Right. So we are seeing a lot of pressure on real estate right now. Oh, yeah. I can't believe that. And it's only gotten worse over the past several days. We were seeing some parity across sectors. And now most that we're, that we're seeing our, our big picture numbers on are, are relatively flat. But, you know, the the... I'm, and I'm referencing the GICS real estate sector on this. It's mm-hmm. very, very, very weak. And you know, I, I, I had been seeing that coming for, for a hot minute. Where where I live at, we've had gangbusters real estate for years. And I noticed more and more and more for sale signs that were staying up for longer and longer. And even a neighbor of mine across the street, their house has been for sale for, I think, four months now. And... I mean, I, I I don't know why it would have been for sale for that long if there wasn't other things going on. You know, I, I saw something similar right across the street from me. Uh, my neighbors threw up a for sale sign and I thought, wow, what a horrible time to be selling. Mm-hmm. And they sold it within a week. Um, <laughs> so I, I guess, you know, it's, it's going to be different in different markets. 
in general, though, I think the commercial space is really at risk. Um, I think we are shedding new light on our digital capabilities, right? People are learning how to operate from their home offices or mm-hmm. anywhere, right? Uh, so, so that could be the beginning of something new. I don't think offices are going away, but I do think the commercial real estate area is, is definitely at risk. There is credit risk that is tied into that. Uh, and then that's a whole other line of dominoes that if the first one falls, we could be looking at something much worse. Yeah, no, I, I definitely see your point with the uh, the commercial real estate because this was my first thought was, okay, you're, you're basically teaching everybody in America and, and worldwide Hey, you know what? If you can work from home, you probably can. And as long as your employer can get behind it, which a lot of a lot of companies were like, we still need to keep the doors open, right? So they're like, okay, get get back to work, people. Um, but once this is over, you know, people are going to be accustomed to it. They're going to be not super excited to to maybe go back into the office and work for the man when they can just stay home and watch Netflix and get done what they need to as well. So I definitely could see a lot of that happening. No, I 100% agree. Uh, cubicles have been on on the downslope for a while, right? People have been moving away to that, moving into more open workspaces. And then you had the whole shared space, which don't let WeWork be the the beacon of what that actually looks like. There's there's a lot that are functioning very well uh, in in that type of structure. But yeah, if you can be laying on a beach as long as you've got a good internet connection and still get your work done, why shouldn't you? Uh, yeah, without a doubt. I feel like, because I'm pretty sure it is, this is exactly how Tim Ferriss went down the four-hour work week, uh, which was, you know, do a really great job. It's just a synopsis there. Do a really great job for the boss. Ask the boss to work remotely. Do an even better job working remotely. And then just kind of disappear, <laughs> continue to put in the work, but you can go and do that work, whether you're in the Swiss Alps or laying on the beach in Hawaii, as long as you have an internet connection. You know, that is really our philosophy here at Kiemnos is, is the work done and is it done to standard? Mm-hmm. Um, if those two boxes are checked, I really don't care if you did it in your pajamas. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a, that's a qualification of whether or not the work is good. Did you do it in a certain place? And, there is a new generation that is taking over, right? We've seen it coming. And what do they value? You know, the millennials grew up during the GFC. And Chris, how old are you? If you don't mind. I am 34. 34. Okay, so we're about the same age. We're, we're a, maybe we do or don't consider ourselves millennials, but we're right on that cusp, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Growing up through the GFC and seeing, you know, close family members maybe lose jobs, get foreclosed on, go through homelessness for for a stretch. Um, Those are very, very impactful, lasting experiences, especially for kids. And they carry that throughout their lives. And now you you look at what does a millennial work want from their from their working space and they want this work life balance. What do employers want? They want their work done. Mm-hmm. They're exchanging dollars for for the task. Uh, I don't see why you can't have both. That's just my take on it. I, yeah, I agree. 
and really, yeah, really. life balance it really has for me once once my uh, my kids settle down and, and honestly this would be way better if they were in school but the work-life balance for me has been really great because uh, now you know I don't have to commute for an hour right taking my kids to school go on a desk or anything like that um, I can sleep in later uh, in fact I went to the the post office a little while ago uh, to, to ship a few things, which I was really terrified to go in the post office. I'm like, this is a cesspool of coronaviruses. I can feel it. But yeah, so uh, I went there and my car, uh, I hadn't driven it in like three weeks or at least two and a half weeks. And it had a little like low battery icon. And I'm like, wow, my car doesn't even want to work anymore. This is a, a whole new world that we're dealing with here. So yeah, I, I agree. I think honestly that, I don't know what the percentages were, but I would bet that there will be a massive spike in permanent work from home individuals versus uh, permanent work from home individuals before this. You know, when people start doing the cost analysis on that and they start saying, oh, yeah. what we could get away with half of the floor space that we have right now. Mm -hmm. Sure. Work from home. It requires employers to trust their employees. That's really yeah. what it comes down to. Yeah. And, and really it doesn't even require that much trust. It's, am I am I seeing the results that I need to see mm -hmm. this position? It's yes or no. Okay, yes, I am. Well, great. Then continue to work from home, and we can buy one less desk, one less phone line, one oh, yeah. smaller office, you know, whatever. And this could be the new normal the, the, to some degree. I'm not saying. Oh, it's yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, and it's it's funny how it uh, manifested itself here, right? Everybody needed a forced quarantine, and then, you know, the the workforce as a whole shifted because we, you know, hopefully it won't be as long, but maybe we get eight weeks of this forced isolation, and everyone's like, hey, this is actually kind of nice. It, it's possible, and, you know, down the road, if we keep doing these videos, I might start looking like Daryl off The Walking Dead. Oh, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> but, uh... But yeah, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. And mm -hmm. here we are just finding ways to keep what we think is normal going. Yeah, pretty crazy. I think this has been a great conversation, uh, a great way to introduce you to the podcast because we are absolutely going to be having you on again more. And like I said earlier, this is really an opportunity to get some inside knowledge, some of the inner workings of what's going on with Think Club and, and really some of the reason why I've been promoting it and I've been using it personally for as long as I have. And I really want you guys to go out and check out Think Club for yourself. Go to thinkclub.ai and start your free two week trial right now. And you can learn as much as you want about all the historical picks. You can compare it to uh, the S&P or the Dow and see you know, just when Fin Club had no picks and how the market behaved versus when Pink Fin Club was very heavy into picks and how the market behaved. And, you know, once you see those correlations there, you'll start to see why uh, Fin Club has had the success rates that they have. So again, that's finclub.ai and, uh, you know, Mark, Mark being the uh, CEO and co-founder of Kievanos, he is directly involved with providing the data to the customer retail experience that you guys are seeing there. So Mark, Really enjoy being able to, to finally see you face-to-face uh, -face and <clears throat> to share that with the podcast audience out there. It's been, been a real pleasure. Oh, Chris, it's been great. Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The pleasure is all mine, really, to, to, to be a part of your team there. So, so I'm excited to see this grow. 
So there you go guys, make sure you like, subscribe, and enable notifications because I never want you to miss any of the tools, tips, and tricks that we upload every single week to help you trade faster and trade smarter, and I'll see you on the next episode. Hey, thank you so much for listening, and before you go, remember to head on over to finclub.ai to get your two free weeks of artificial intelligence stock picks. You've got nothing to lose and only the most advanced AI to help you trade with confidence at finclub.ai. That's finclub.ai. 10MinuteStockTrader.com content is for information and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, trading or investment advice or recommendation that any security, futures contract, options contract, transaction, or other financial instrument or strategy is suitable for any person. Trading securities can involve high risk and the potential for total loss of any funds invested. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell, through its content, financial programming, or otherwise, does not provide investment or financial advice or make investment recommendations. Investment information provided may not be suitable for all investors and is provided without respect to the individual investors and audience's financial sophistication, financial situation, investing time horizon, or risk tolerance. Tim and StockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell are not in the business of trading securities trades, nor does it direct client commodity accounts or give commodity trading advice, tailored to any particular client situation or investment objectives. TimminutsStockTrader.com and Christopher Yule are not licensed financial advisors, registered investment advisors, or registered broker-dealers. Stocks, options, futures, futures options, and other financial instruments not included here involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. You alone are responsible for making your investment and financial trading decisions, and for evaluating the merits and risks associated with the use of any financial security and broker platform. For more information, please visit TimminutsStockTrader.com legal. And thanks for stopping by.